So when James Victoria was told by a professor in his design program during college that he just wasn't cut out for the famed institution that he was attending, instead of arguing, he left and then promptly launched and built his own successful design studio years later, an accomplished illustrator, designer, and provocateur of the status quo. He returned to that very school, but this time to teach his own perpetually packed class. So James has been described as part Darth Vader, part Yoda, prolific storyteller, designer, provocateur, artist, activist, and teacher, a designer and creative thought leader who people look to to find clarity and purpose in their life and work. He's widely known for this deeply impassioned view on design and its place in the world. At the helm of his independently run design studio, James makes work that takes a really strong position and often toes the line between sacred and profane, and the world has taken notice. His work has been exhibited at the Museum of Modern Art in New York in the permanent collections of the Louvre and the Library of Congress. His client list includes countless industry leaders. His book, Fect Perfection, is sort of a manifesto on living a creative, full contact, and alive life. And more recently, he's been facilitating a live mentoring program that he calls The Creative Warrior which is the culmination of decades of teaching and mentoring and sharing. And as he describes it, just me having fun with brave souls. So excited to share this best of conversation with you. And before we dive into it, I also want to take a moment to share some super exciting news. So my new book, Sparked, is now available for pre-order. This is really the culmination of more than two decades of work getting to the heart of what makes us come alive in work and life. It'll help you understand, maybe in a way that you never truly have been able to see or embrace, those deeper drivers for work that fill you with meaning and joy and excitement and purpose. And probably equally important, it reveals what work empties your soul, takes the greatest emotional toll, and requires the greatest recovery. And it equips you to understand, on an entirely different level, how to better reimagine and reinvent this next season of work and life to truly, maybe for the first time ever, come more fully alive. And there are some super cool immediate bonuses when you pre-order. So go check out the link in our show notes to grab your copy of Sparked from your favorite bookseller today. Okay, on to our conversation. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. So by the time I was five years old, I'd lived in five different places. Got it, got it, got it. On and then, bases? Uh, yeah, bases all around the country. My mom moved three kids on her own in a Dodge station wagon across the country twice. Man. <laughs> These are the people who raised me. Uh, yeah, but I we ended up when I was five in uh, upstate New York, Plattsburgh, New York. Uh, no and kidding. my parents liked it and they liked the schools and we stayed there um, th- for forever. 
And then, uh, and then, you know, when I was 19, I was like, hmm, I think something else is coming. Just so totally out of like a, you know, John Cougar song or a Springsteen <laughs> song, you know, I got the call of the, call right, of the right, wild. Right. And, Plus we're going to say, but it, it's a, it's a college town too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. College and military base. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't realize State, it was university. Military. State University of New York. Yeah. Uh, no longer a military. So one of the first things I learned early on was there's no security. Yeah. There's no job security, right? You're in the military and you think, you know, especially my father who was a lifer, you know, there's no security. So the base just up and closed. <laughs> Man, but they decided to stay. So did he actually yeah. opt out of the military at that yeah. point then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that then, must have been like, I mean, jarring for him yeah. and, and the whole family. It was jarring for the whole family. And, you know, and then he started, you know, he was, he was a, he's a supporter. That's yeah. what he did. And so he took odd jobs and he worked as a security guard at the, the university. And then finally, um, we were a ski family at that time. We were skiing because it's upstate New York. And he, um, the shop that we bought from was closing and my father took it over. So he, through high school, he owned a ski shop and uh, we were heavy into it. And I was a national ski patrol. And, you know, so it was, that was kind of a, you know, a groovy, but weird, difficult time. Cause you know, my father was, you know, not a businessman. He was just trying to figure stuff out. And mm. he just, you know, what I learned from him was, you know, never complain and figure stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, what a great thing to learn sort of like in early age, it's like yeah. stuff happens. You have no yeah. control over it. Yeah. You don't give up. You're just like, okay, so yeah. what's next? Yeah, adapt, you know, adapt or die, yeah. Yeah. All right, so we know that you grew up in the, in, in the Plattsburgh area. You know, you were into skiing and all this other stuff. There would be, if I looked at your life right now, <laughs> where does the James that sort of like it's, it's present and creative and progressive and provocative, does that start to show up at a really early age? You know, it's funny. People ask me, ask me about that, yeah. that, that type of question, and I say, you know what? I was born to do this. Yeah. I was totally born to do this. You know, the first two lines of my book say we're all born wildly creative. Some of us just forgot. Mm. You know, I, there were so many signs early on that I should do this, that I, you know, when I was a kid, one of the um, more prevalent things that I can remember when I was a kid was that I was called creative. And it wasn't a compliment. <laughs> it meant I right. disrupted. It meant I it's like you're the weird out of, yeah, weird, yeah. exactly, weird. And um, it just, ha you know, again and again and again and again. And sometimes it was of a, of a benefit. Most of the times it was a target, but I kept on. And like I said, well, you know, I went to a, um, basically a college prep high school run by the Brothers of Christian Instruction. And, you know, I was an alternate for the Air Force Academy. And thank God that didn't work out. So I was waiting tables uh, in my hometown and, uh, um, ski patrol on the weekend and, you know, whatever odd jobs I could do. And the, the chef at the time in this tiny little Italian restaurant, his name was Gary Danko. And he now owns a restaurant named Gary Danko in San Francisco. And it's one of the, you know, three, he's a two-star Michelin restaurant, one of, the, one of the restaurants you can't get into. And we were sitting at the bar when I was, you know, 19. And um, he just said, Jimmy, go to New York. And I just did. I literally, like literally four days later, got on a bus with $300 and moved to New York and ended up, I came here to, uh, to study at the School of Visual Arts. Mm. And after about two years, a little over two years at SVA, was, <laughs> an instructor took me aside and um, said, listen, this field is very competitive. There are a lot of people looking for the same jobs. And he suggested I basically become a CPA or golf, <laughs> golf pro, or he just said, you know, you don't that's got like, it. You don't got well, it. Well, that's encouraging. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I literally, you know, day later, I dropped out of school and my, I called my dad and I said, Hey, um, so I'm going to drop out of, you know, art school. And he said, but I thought you wanted to, you know, be a fancy art treasure and have your name on the, on the door. And I said, Oh no, 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 no. I'm going to get that. <laughs> I'm just I'm not going to finish school. And that's exactly what I did. And literally a week later, I walked into one of my professor's studios who I'd already had some of a relationship with, relationship with. His name was Paul Bacon. His studio was on the 11th floor of Carnegie Hall. He was a book jacket designer. If you go to an antique bookstore, an old bookstore, and you start looking at the spines and you start looking at the... the, the all head. Oh, my God. Yeah. Joseph Heller's Catch-22, uh, the Jaws that became the movie poster... Uh, so like all these iconic things. Yeah. All of Joseph Heller, all of Kurt Vonnegut, all of James Clavell, all of Robert Ludlum, you know, this stuff, this stuff. And it was a tiny little, you know, three-person studio. And when I was in Paul's studio, I just put together a portfolio of obviously fake book jackets and went out and got, went out. A girlfriend of mine had the, had the name of an art director at HarperCollins. Or I think it was Harper and Row then. I think it's HarperCollins now. I forget one of those two things. But um, called 
got an appointment, left with work, and I've been working ever since. <laughs> just just started. Man, it's a lot of your dad in you. Yeah, yeah, just, just yeah, uh, you know, make it so. Yeah, two conversations led to two profoundly different outcomes. One is a conversation when you're a kid, 19 years old, and, and go to New York, and you just, you do it. You, dro you drop in 300 bucks and you're there. Mm -hmm. And then this other conversation, two years into SVA, mm -hmm. where a guy's like, you just don't have it. Yeah. And like within a, a matter of, you know, like in the blink of an eye, you make a decision to change course. Yeah. Um, Still do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's so interesting. I, like, so a couple of years ago, I had a chance to sit down actually with Milton Glaser to, mm. to have a conversation. And, and he recounts a story of when he was in high school. He's really good at science and, and good at art. Mm. And um, he was supposed to go take the test for Bronx science, yep. but instead... He kind of snuck out and took the test for one of the art schools. And uh, he came back. His, um, his guidance counselor kind of got word about what he did, called him in. He thought he was going to get a dressing down by the guidance counselor, sits him down, pulls out his drawer, puts on the, the table sort of a beautiful box of, you know, like French pastel and says, you know, like, do good art. Oh. And it was like this one moment where one conversation with a single person yeah. who he felt was on, on his side and, and could trust him that signal just a complete shift, like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always fascinated by those moments and those conversations and how rapidly we can change course around them. Yeah. You know, it was funny when I was with Paul when I was in his studio. Um, and I never actually worked for Paul. I just hung out in his studio yeah. and like watched to become a book jacket designer. And that was basically my first gigs was book jackets. And one of the first books I got to design was a, was a autobiography of Ruth Gordon, a classic old movie actress, yeah. right? And in the first paragraph, she says, I love these words, when I was a kid. She basically said when she was 17, she walked into the elevator of, I forget what the address is, but she's talking about Carnegie Hall. She said, I went up in the elevator and I had a meeting. And when I came down, I was a star. <laughs> and it's like one of these things, you know, it was so funny. And then um, I busted my hump and a, a bunch of years later after I had dropped out of SVA, I started teaching there. And the reason I went back is one, because I had all these mentors who I looked up to, whether I knew them or not, European designers and, um, you know, Polish and French designers and American designers. And I knew they taught. And I thought, oh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to give back in some way. And I went back to SVA because I wanted to be the teacher that I needed. Mm. I wanted to be the guy who, you know, lit a fire under your ass or, you know, or set firecrackers off in the, which I did, you know, set firecrackers off in class and just like, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first time when you were, so when you're at SVA as a student, in those first two years before you actually had this conversation, I mean, what was your experience there? Was it what you thought it would be or what you wanted it to be? You know, it was funny. I kind of had a preconceived notion of art and design before I went there because an odd side story is when, when I was a kid, when I was 10, we lived outside of town and um, the school that I went to was in the town, tiny, you know, 20,000 people, but in the town. And I would get out of school, walk a couple blocks over to the college library where my mom worked. And the, there was like uh, an hour or 45 minutes before she got off work and could drive me home. So she knew I liked to draw and she put books in front of me, picture books. And these picture books were design annuals from the 50s and the 60s and the mm -hmm. 70s, Italian design annuals and graffiche annuals and print annuals. And I went through and I kind of got a, through, through I don't know, almost, almost osmosis, this, this design history education. And it was all European stuff. You know, where there was not terribly a sense of grid. It was much more painterly, much more artistic, much mm, more right. Cassandra and Cassad and uh, um, um, Capaello. And so when I came to New York, you know, and we started, there's a class on grids and a class on color theory and a class on, you know, could do it this way. That's not right. And I thought, I, 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 am I in the right place? Hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I think I learned early on that. Um, I think the best way that I can phrase it is that, and I felt like this m most of my time commercially as a, as a graphic designer, I'm a racehorse and I'm pulling a cart, hmm. you know, I want to, I want to, I, there's, there's something in me that wants to fly and I'm, I'm not doing it. I don't know why. And I don't, you know, I never want I don't want that feeling. So it was okay. That was, that was the reason it was totally okay to be asked to leave. 
Yeah. It was like, you know what? I think, you know, I think you're right. Right. So, <laughs> so it's like, you're kind of getting signals the whole time. You're oh, like, yeah. Like something. So that was almost like the straw that brought the camels back at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. I think my, oh, that was a funny thing is my grades were atrocious. So when I did go to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm 20 years old in New York City and I've got it and I'm working full time to afford SBA. Right, right, right. I'm making five bucks an hour. Well, you know, I'm buying all the beer I need. What do I need school for? <laughs> so I, uh, the funny thing is, was, you know, he was, uh, if I hadn't been thrown out of the nest, I don't know what would have happened. Mm. So it was okay. Yeah. You ever think about that? Like if you had actually just stayed that course? I think about those things often because there's a number of times that I've been thrown out of the nest. Yeah, and, like sliding and, doors type of and thing. I'm like, wait, why did I wait so long? Yeah. You know, because you, I think, I think if we are really in, in, in tune and we're really listening to ourselves and listening to our bodies, everything tells us. And I think, um, and this is part of the reason why the book comes out is like, I think we're so resistant to listening to ourselves and so resistant to making the moves in our lives that we feel that we need that, you know, getting thrown out of the nest or rejection is, 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 is not as bad as people think. Yeah. What do you think that resistance is about? I mean, on some level it's fear, but, but fear of what? Oh, totally just fear being who you are, being found out as a genius, <laughs> being found out as, as a creative person. You know, it's like we're all covering it up somehow. Even me, who I'm like, I, I just, you know, I just want to fly. Come on, come on, come on. Um, even me, I find when I, I know when I pull back and when I'm like, really, do we want to, you know, it's really funny. Even if, you know, if I'm, I'm on stage and, you know, I've got, you know, I've got some, some gigs coming up in, you know, Barcelona and Dublin with, 2,500, 4,000 people. And then once in a while I'm talking and there's this little voice going, y you're going to say that out loud in public? Really? You sure going <laughs> to? You know, you know. Right. It's like they picked the wrong person. Yeah. yeah. They're so, meant to X my name well, out. I, somehow yes, they... <laughs> I'm here for the comedic reprieve. I'm uh, not a main speaker. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it's amazing how long that follows all of us, right? Oh, it's so, it's so hard to, I mean, I don't think you ever get rid of it. It's just something that follows you. And, yeah. and you just got to, you have to get comfortable with it. Yeah, I, I think you're, I mean, there's, um, do you ever read, uh, I, I forgot, these two uh, makers that for a while, it may even still be out there, um, started as a website and that's a, and then a, a beautiful magazine called The Great Discontent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tina and, yeah, yeah, Tina, yeah. Tina and Ryan. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like it's this idea that, you know, like this discontent just is perpetually there and, and the, you know, the greatest X in any field are, are never like, oh yeah, I'm meant to be here. Like I made it, like this is... It's almost like there's this persistent, pervasive, like unending discontent that fuels you on some yeah, level. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things that I've gotten pretty good at is teaching people how to jump. Mm. Most people think, okay, well, okay, like this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work for like four more years and pay off my car, and then I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Actually, you can think that, but you know, but yeah, that 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 the jump is hard. You know, all beginnings are hard. Yeah. And I think that's what stops most people is, is they don't, they can see the first step and they want the second and the third and they can't have it until they take the first step. Right. You know, you don't know what's going to happen until you, until you leave. And I, I left SVA and literally two days later I had a, you know, I had a, a full-time mentor who I could just stand and watch over his shoulder and see the work he was doing and, 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 and ask him questions about, you know, the, the work and overhear the telephone conversations. And it was a, it was a, a real treat. So when you have that conversation with somebody and the goal is to teach them how to jump, what is that conversation like? <laughs> um, you know, I've gotten used to saying that it's not my job, it's not my place to tell anybody anything, right? I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell, but I can remind you and I can remind you of your gift and I can remind you of your talent and I can remind you of the innate power in those things and that you won't fall and you won't fail, you know, not in the long term, you know, and I have to kind of remind people and only those, only those people who, who, who can really look inside and can really believe are the ones who are going to, you know, going to do it. And I've got a track record of some, just, just some marvelous people who I keep in touch with, you know, weekly, if not daily because of, you know, social media now. Um, and just to see the moves that they're making, and it's just like, dang, that's so great. Yeah. I, I, so it's interesting. So if you can look inside and believe that's, that's the thing that you're striving for, which when you get further into your career and you start to develop your know, body of work, you're like, you, you start to create iterations where you're proving to yourself, your own output starts to prove to yourself that yes, I had this capacity mm -hmm. in me. That's easier at that point. How do you 
get that in the really early days. Yeah, you know, that level of freedom is is stolen. That level of freedom is taken. You know, I was a, you mentioned Milton. Um, I was a book jacket designer. Just that's what I was doing. And I really wanted to do albums. That was back when they were still 12 and yeah. a quarter, 12 and a quarter. Right, when that was like the best art yeah, in the world. Yeah, that was the best yeah. stuff in the world. And you could make them fold out to the right. larger, you know? So I wanted to do albums and I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that. And I called Milton and I made an appointment and he said, oh yeah, 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 book jackets. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, we used to do like four or five of you know, those a day. <laughs> you know, in the, in the day. He said, yeah, and if you're not careful, you're going to wake up and five years from now, you're still going to be doing book jackets. And I was like, mm, yeah, so I see. And for me, the break was 1992. I was, you know, 29 and the um, Columbus Day was coming up in the city here. And the newspapers were talking about um, all the celebrations and the parade and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I knew a little bit about American history and I knew about the pox infested blankets and I knew about the, you know, the kind of contro early controversy then. Now everybody knows about it. And I thought, well, that other side needs to be told. And, you know, I'm a graphic designer and I'm kind of, you know, interested in the, the, the almost journalistic properties of design that you can be mm, a journalist yeah. as much as a, you know, that you can, that you can put your voice and your opinion into your work. So I made, uh, made a poster, you know, full size 2436, the same size as all the advertising posters in the city and used my own money and printed 5,000 posters and took them to the, the, the um, stage door at Lincoln Center at a certain time at night. And that's when the guys... The, the poster mafia come by yeah, in a van. The they, wild poster they, guys. Yeah, yeah. They put them in the back of the van. And, they, right. and um, I got posters put up in, you know, all over the city. Used my rent money, which was not a good business plan, but got it done, baby. Got it done. That was like the really, really early, early form of like Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I totally wish Instagram was around that then, just for a day. And um, I made that poster. And then I, you know, I was interested. Uh, like I said, I still had the the memories of being 10 and 11 looking at this European stuff. Yeah. And I sent my, you know, I sent it off to all these European competitions and I started getting in. I started, you know, winning medals and um, and being alongside these names that I knew about. And that was the whole next thing. It just, there was a level of bravery that that brought me. Mm. And I, what I had done is I realized that I had started out as a commercial graphic designer doing book jackets. But what, the, what I found through starting to do social, cultural, political posters was I found my purpose. My purpose was to make graphic design that had an opinion, make graphic design that had a voice that the things that I love and the things that I fear are possibly things that other people love and fear, right? And it was just a, it was just a real trip. And that's what I try to teach other people is once you get a taste of that, you don't want to let go. And that's a good feeling, you know? Once mm. you're, once you're like, wow, I can actually, I don't know if I can make a living at this, but people dig it. And that's the first part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lumi. So listen, we have all had those awkward moments where a BO strikes at the worst possible time. I'm often actually out in nature when I'm exercising, so I don't even notice it when I'm out. And then I walk in the door, kind of start to wrinkle my nose, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that's actually me. That is why I'm so thankful I discovered Lumi Whole Body Deodorant. This revolutionary product, it was actually invented by an OBGYN who wanted a solution for her patients struggling with private odor. 
But Lumi doesn't just work, quote, down there. It provides incredible 72-hour protection for your entire body using mandelic acid. I kid you not, this stuff is a game changer. Lumi is safe and effective for pits, for feet, you name it. And as someone who's tried it, I can attest that it seriously works. The fresh scents are just an added bonus. So if you're ready to say goodbye to BO for good, try Lumi's starter pack. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash, and deodorant wipes and free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with the code GOODLIFE at lumideodorant.com. Don't miss your chance to experience the relief of true full body freshness. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com or just click the link in the show notes and use the code GOODLIFE. Good Life Project is sponsored by Quince. So my wife actually originally introduced me to Quince because she loves their clothing and I have been hooked ever since. I literally lived in their Mongolian cashmere ribbed beanie and pullover hoodie pretty much all winter. And as the weather warms up, I wanted more breathable summer pieces without overpaying. And Quince has just the super high quality items like linen shirts, performance polos, activewear at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the middleman to pass savings to customers. Actually just ordered a new European linen long sleeve button down shirt. Super excited to get that. And I'm always just so amazed at how they can keep their prices so affordable while the quality remains really high. So if you're looking to upgrade your wardrobe, I highly recommend you try Quince. Go to quince.com slash GLP for free shipping on your order and a 365-day return. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash G-L-P to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash G-L-P or just click the link in the show notes. Trust me, your wardrobe will thank you. I mean, it's interesting also because I think... uh, Especially in the, the design world, the art world, uh, there's this sense that first I need to develop my skill to a point where I'm good enough to go out and get this attention. And uh, yeah, skill is one thing, but the thing that I keep hearing you say is, well, yeah, that matters. And yeah, you did a lot of work and a lot of iterations you know, to develop a certain thing. But at the same time, it was really about understanding what mattered to you and developing the voice underneath that because all the skill in the world won't make up for not having a distinct voice, not having a point of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's somebody wrote me today. I put out something through Instagram and somebody wrote me and said, dude, I can't wait till, to get your book and I, I just want to be as brave as you. And I, and I wrote back and I said, why are you waiting? Uh, what are you waiting for? <laughs> That's, you know, we're waiting. We're waiting for an invitation waiting for permission, waiting for our skills to be, oh, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I've done some, you know, no, baby, just go, just go. You know, we, there is no, there's no secret handshake. There's no entry fee. You just, uh, well, the entry fee is, yeah, lose your fear. <laughs> yeah, easier said than done now. I mean, if, yeah. if it was that easy, we'd all be out there sharing like totally, totally, instead of totally, like what's totally. inside of all and, of yeah, us. Yeah, and you know, you get the old, you know, well, if everybody was creative, the world would be anarchy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. You listeners see the smile right now. Yeah, if everybody was like me, oh my God, we, yeah, we'd be in trouble. Yeah, but it is really interesting. So many, I think we are so waiting for someone to give us permission to just be us publicly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's funny. It's just human. Yeah. But again, it goes back to that fear thing. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's fear of actually being who you are. It's the fear of, it's the fear of um, uh, uncovering who you are and putting it out there. Like, you know, yeah, it's like, it's like you just <laughs> opening your shirt and say, hey, this is who I am. And you're, what, you're, what you're prognosticating is failure and what you're prognosticating is people's, you know, pointing and laughing and, you know, but what's going to happen is, yes, some of that will happen because we are not made for everyone, right? I know that my work doesn't appeal to everybody. It just appeals to the sexy people. So I don't really worry about that. But yes, the fear of divulging who we actually are. Yeah, I think we so it's so easy, so much easier to hide behind the voice, the opinion, the brand, the whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, the lines, the words, the images of somebody else. Because even if we don't execute that well, then whatever pushback we get, we can just kind of say, "Well, it's it wasn't my part of it that they're rejecting. Yeah. It was all this other stuff." Yeah. Whereas if we put it out there, and this is the essence of who we are. 
you know, like whatever rejection comes back to us, the, they're rejecting us. Yeah, you can't blame and it that on marketing. Hurts. Right. <laughs> you can't say that, uh, yeah, the marketing made a mistake, numbers were wrong. And yeah, it does hurt. It does. But we need to practice that. We need to, we need to practice that. We need to practice pooping. You know, everybody, everybody makes crap. I, I make a ton of crap. Um, but I always put it out there. And, you know, and, and I'm surprised when some of it rises to the top. Some of it actually isn't as poopy as I, as I thought. Um, but yes, it's, uh, if we take it personally, then it can be, it it can, it can be painful. And I think, you know, that probably stops, you know, a lot of people from being themselves. And that's, that's what gets, it's, you know, as people going, they go back to a full-time job because they're just, there's a level of security and comfort there. Yeah. And I mean, you got to kind of ask a question also, like what hurts more, the pain of being judged for who you are or the pain of being seen for who you are? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, or the pain of, the pain of knowing you're a racehorse and you're pulling a card, you know, because that's, that's forever. That's (laughs) that's the thing is like, you know, when is that pain? When are you going to, um, you know, so speaking of pain, so like I had mentioned earlier, I had this, um, this dirt bike accident just, um, you know, eight weeks ago and I'm, I'm living in pain constantly right now. And it has been such an amazing teacher. And I'm, when I go on stage now, I talk about it because this pain that I'm living with, if I don't conquer it, if I don't understand it properly, if I don't use it as a tool and as my best teacher right now, like my, my wife helps me tremendously and helps me get, get perspective. And she said, she said, um, so I broke, you know, a collarbone, uh, hurt one of my lungs and broke 10 ribs all on, all on my right side. Oof. And my wife, my wife said, she said, baby, your heart needed to grow and your body made way, you know? And if I don't use that idea and understand that and, and grow bigger and better and stronger out of this thing, then the accident was stupid and the pain was just pain. And why I'm talking about this on stage is I say, listen, you have a choice like me. You have pain. It's not physical pain. It's this relationship that chafes. It's this body that you're uncomfortable with. It's your it, your inability to ask for what you're worth. It's this job that you're in that you want to get out, but you don't know how. And you or you you know you 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 want to quit your job or you want to talk to your boss. You know these are all pains. And if you don't conquer those, if you don't use those as a tool and grow bigger from them, you will every day, every year, your body will contort and get smaller and more fearful and you know. So that's why, you know, I, I promote living dangerously, living and facing that pain and going into it all the time because you just get good at it. It's really crazy. You get good at it. Yeah, it's like a habit. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit like, you know, like being um, um, Alex Honnold, right? The, yeah, the free climber. <laughs> the oh, free climber. Oh, my God. When you I know, look at what he does. It's, it's, it's like that. Yeah, for those who don't know, he, he climbs massive, massive. Um, he, he climbed Yosemite without yeah. ropes or equipment. Yeah, which is, cap, yeah. Or, or, or a surfer, to take, that, yeah. to take that metaphor. It's just like, you know, you, you, you go fear notwithstanding. And what happens is when you get past that, you get past the break where you're not getting pummeled and you can float for a minute. You're like, oh my God, this is awesome. Mm. This is awesome. And it's the same exact emotions just to ask for what you're worth or set up a meeting for your boss and say, hey, listen, I'm not happy. What can we do? You know, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, and, and, and you're not quitting. You're not, you're just talking, you know, to talk is to love. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like also in addition to this sort of like fear, there's a certain amount of sort of cultural grooming that goes along with not being that person. You know, the Aussies would call it tall poppy syndrome, but a lot of times here even, it's like, you know, you, you play the hand you're dealt or, you know, like <laughs> you get what you get and you don't get upset. It's like, look, things are pretty good. You know, you, you know, who are you to be the one who sort of like goes and does that? Even if there's a voice inside of you that says, <laughs> Oh my, you know, like you said, there's, you're the racehorse pulling the cart. Like you just know there is something inside of you that says, you know, you are, you are meant for something profoundly different and bigger. Yeah. Um, but then there's a cultural voice that very often a lot of us have grown up around that says, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, and it's huge and it's strong. And, and I think so many of our fears in order to just, in order to just live a creative life, so many of our fears are based on other people, totally based on other people, you know? I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm back here in New York and 
I see people walking down the street and I see some very flamboyant and very amazing. And, you know, I mean, you know, in, in, in Texas, we don't see as much, but, um, and I'm like, oh my God, that's so awesome. That level of, I mean, I just want to stop all everybody and have a conversation and say, you know, so what level of fear do you have right now? Like, are you afraid that people are going to, you know, and it's, uh, it's just so great. And it's not for everybody. It can't be. It just can't be. Uh, I mean, it seems like also for you, there, you've got an insane level of curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it seems like that's like fuel for you. It seems like you're constantly scanning the world and just raising an eyebrow. Yeah. um, I'm always looking to up the ante. Yeah. I'm always looking for, you know, there was somebody paid me a nice compliment last night at dinner and they said, you know, what they liked about me is that I was, I was the one who was always willing to just change. Mm. Just, you know, like, you know, the Texas, for example, going to Texas or, you know, change careers, stop being a commercial designer and just start doing, you know, more, doing more teaching or doing, you know, all these different things. And, you know, I, I don't think of it. I don't even think about that. I just do it. I'm like, something's calling, gotta go, (laughs) you know? And I think that's a, you know, again, that's something that you can practice and something you get very good at is just listening to yourself. Yeah. And still, if you zoom the lens out. You know, you look at your body of work over the last 35, 40 years now. Um, do you see a through line? Or yeah. some? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I do. And I see, I see the same thing now that I saw, you know, in the early days, which was I see an artist searching for his voice. An artist searching for radical new marks on the page that will you know, stir someone's soul. You know, Robert Frost once wrote that he, he, he wanted to write a poem that was barbed, you know, this whole idea of like how it would stick in your heart. I'm like, Oh, that's what I want. You know, I'm working on a new project right now for, um, for Tulane university. And I'm like, and I know the client. So I have a, I, again, I had, there's a level of freedom and I'm searching it's back. I'm back in the studio and I haven't worked this curiously or strenuously in a while where I'm really searching for some new, something new. And it's, it's, it, it's a blast. It's also tiring. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, God, I haven't worked this hard. Right. It's know? like, man, going there takes a lot yeah, out of you. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not right. Do it again. That's not right. Do it again. <laughs> so as you're out there in the, in the world, putting out work and you know, like you said, sort of like the big opening move after, you know, like when you hit 29, it's the posters and that sort of unlocks a whole world of activism and, po- and tons of other posters and art and yeah, and they unlocked a, a reputation yeah. too, which was co- was cool. As not just, I mean, as a provocateur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you go out in the world and and your, did you feel at that point when you were putting that initial round of posters out, like that you were doing something radically different, or this was just the next evolution of what you were up to? You know, I don't know if I was even that conscious about what yeah. I was doing. It was just, I was just doing it, you know, and there were a whole bunch of situations that came up. It was like a, like two or three years, maybe three or four years that where all these situations were coming up and I made, I made work. And then I used that work and I sent it off to the, you know, Amnesty International and the JDL and the AF, NAACP. And so that, and that created more yeah. work and more provocative work and again got me more addicted to that (laughs) you know and um i uh i just i wanted to be you know then you know banksy (laughs) like hey this is this is cool now if i could just figure out how to make a living doing it which was the the big the big problem yeah i mean what was i don't know if you need to answer this but um was the source of the addiction more the expression and the reaction or you just yes (laughs) Like, do you have a sense? Yeah, the, um, th- that I could sit quietly under a tree or at a bar and come up with, th- th- I can make myself laugh. You know, that that's the process. That's mm-hmm. the process. I sit and I and I and I make myself laugh, or I come up with something and I go, "Oh, this is this is something." And then the second thought says, "They'll never do it." And then, and then I, and then I, and, and then you have to, and then I forward, present right. it and then I present it and they do it. And it's just like, Whoa, okay. Let's, that's, that's cool. You know, literally I did this hangman poster for the NAACP a bunch of years ago. And, um, 
from the time they, they wrote me and they had seen work that I had done and they asked me to be involved in this documentary film. So I made the, po- made the, f- the poster for the documentary film. And we were on press literally 13 days after I got that letter because it happened so quick. I brought, I brought one comp in and they said, that's amazing. Let's do that. And then I went on press and while I'm on press, the my my liaison, the client, came over and said, "Well, it's a good thing we're printing this now because back in the office they're saying, well, maybe you know, because that's the, that's the process." And they start looking at it and they start going, "Um, you know, that's that." And I understand because a client like that, they get their money from little old ladies and schools and donations, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to upset anybody. But if you don't, especially for something like NAACP or AIDS or you know, AIDS activism or any of this important stuff, we're trying to change the world. <laughs> You're trying to really, you know, really tell the truth here. We're not, you know, and uh, we're not going to do that by making everybody happy. Yeah. Or by moving slow and making decisions by committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've I've had I've had so many meetings with clients, and I was saying, hey, by the way, my work does not survive a committee. So if you bring in a committee, um, basically, there's just going to be a big hole that says art goes here. <laughs> Which sadly is how a lot of campaigns actually are. It's like let's build the whole thing, and mm-hmm. then let's find somebody to plug this hole. Yeah, uh, a pretty photograph. Uh, yeah, even if it's somebody in pain, it's still a pretty photograph. Ma. With a little bit of a grimace. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Serendipity um, is, is a word that keeps hopping into my head as I'm hearing you speak. It's a good word. It's because it seems like, you know, when you, you look back, you're like, oh, well, there's this clear progression. But um, it sounds like living it, you know, in the moment and, and moving forward through your life, that so much of this was holding yourself open to just the next thing and the next thing and the next thing without intentionally saying, I'm going to seek this. Is that right or wrong? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think every number of years I get to a point where I need to, you know, where I look around and I'm like, it's the David, you know, it's the David Byrne song, you know, the talking head song, actually, you know, this is not my beautiful house. I wake up, I wake up, (laughs) I wake up and I've gotten comfortable and that, that happens. And I go, oh, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, and I can see it in the relationships I'm in, and I can see it in the work I'm getting. I can see it in the in the financial bottom line. I can see it everywhere. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm I'm not, I'm becoming, I don't know, comfortable. So so I need to, you know, I need to resist that, and I need to um, creatively push, and I need to figure out what what is going to, you know, what is going to make me happy. So there's a there's a there's a guy who I work with. He's a a, a mentee or a student, a guest or whatever, and we started talking um, a year ago and he says, he says, James, I went to school for this. I got a degree. I got the job. I've got a 401k, bought a house, got two kids. Um, got to put down some money on a, on a, on a summer place. And he says, I drive home from work crying every night. What's wrong? And, you know, I'm like, well, listen, you know, the first thing is happy. That's what we got to figure out, you know, how to make you happy. And it's not quitting. It's not, and I think that's that's the thing for a lot of people is there, if you are born wildly creative and you understand that, that doesn't die, you know, meaning, you know, you know that you have a song left to sing. It's really painful to understand that and not live that out. So you need to make some massive decisions and, and try to fix that. Um, and I think that happens to me. Um, it's happened to me. I consciously know of two times, mm. you know, when I was in my mid thirties and then, you know, um, my early forties, when I just like punk break. Was there an exciting incident those times or was it just kind of like you woke up one day? Like, was there something that happened? Um, something that happened? No, it was just kind of like one, it was funny. There was, I was just thinking about it recently cause I've just planted a big, a big, um, red bud tree mm. at, uh, at the house. I like them. And I had planted the red bud at, an, at another house and fall came, I think it was, 1999 or something and fall came and um, I walked down the porch in the morning with, with, a, with a cup of coffee and I can see the leaves falling off the red bud and tears literally started coming around. I'm like, oh, okay, we're at that stage. <laughs> we just had to look around and, you know, and there was a big explosion and um, divorce and uh, moving and a lot, you know, it was like, it was like I had, I wasn't paying attention and I wasn't doing a good job and I, um, I couldn't continue it. We 
couldn't continue it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people get really concerned about also when they hit that moment that you're talking about and they know, you know, it's the story you just described as the person with the 401k, the great job, the salary, the security, and they go home and cry every day. And on, on paper, everything's okay. And, and in fact, they're American. Right. And a lot of their life is, is decent. Maybe they have somebody great in their life or kids Mm -hmm. and they stay in that thing um, because they're terrified that yeah. blowing up that thing isn't just blowing up that thing, it's blowing up their entire lives. And they're at a moment in their lives where they're not willing to do that, where mm-hmm. a lot is good. So they say, I'm going to suffer here in the name of still being okay here, not realizing that everything bleeds together. Yeah. Yeah. They're afraid that if they take this one little, if they fix this one little piece that everything else is going to, it's Jenga, you know, everything else yeah. is going to toggle down. And it's, it's, you know, and I've, I've been there a number of times where I'm like, okay, if I do this, if I say no to this client, then that's going to mean I'm make, not making that money. And that's going to mean this thing doesn't happen. And that's going to mean my wife and kid are going to leave me. And that's going to mean, you know, just spirals down to, you know, uh, you know, the Sam Peckinpah death where you're dying, a, you know, in a trailer in the desert, <laughs> you know, um, uh, and it's not true. It's not true. Um, you have to go into it open-eyed and logically and, you know, and, and, and believing. And that's the thing. I come back to that. You have to believe that, that, uh, that it's for a good purpose, yeah. you know, and, and, and the purpose is your life. The purpose is your, 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 just your mere happiness. We'll get to creativity later. Let's just deal with <laughs> happiness right now. What yeah. can we do that? What can you do in your life? You know, if you have the energy and the, you know, um, the, the, the balls to do, what can we do that's going to make, you know, and we have to break his, break the job apart and say, well, okay, what part of the job are you, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think you can deconstruct a job and, and sometimes also it's like, okay, so even if you're not willing to do that right now, you've got a couple hours on the weekend. You've got like time here. Sure. Like if this thing is really, if, if this is, if this beats your heart, do more of it wherever you can. Yeah. You know, I usually, I usually start by saying, where are you at five o'clock in the morning? Yeah. And they say, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, well, no longer, buddy. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> what are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah, yeah. You, so, you know, an hour of sleep? Come on. Right. What are you willing to sacrifice? Yeah. I, I mean, the <laughs> how much I'm, do you want it? That's it. That's the test. That's How much comes, do you want? That's what it comes down to, right? And also, do you believe that you can get it? Do you believe that if you actually put in the effort, it will happen? Which I think a lot of people don't. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the that. Well, they don't because they haven't they don't have the experience. They haven't tried it. No. That's all. And then I think what happens, especially when you're past thirty, then you realize then you then you even I think that feeling of I can't becomes even stronger, which is crazy. Um, you know, and people, you know, people write me all the time and say, well, I do, you know, I don't think I could. I'm like, dude, I am zigging and zagging and I'm like, you know, 20 years older than you. What's your, what's your problem? I got two kids. I got a kid in college. I got two kids in private school. I got, you know, two other people I'm supporting. Give me a break. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. 
every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. I think we get locked into uh, that thing. And, and I mean, this happens in design, happens in writing, happens in any form of creative expression, especially, but probably any, any career, you know, you, you get known as the X person. You know, whether it's a style or an expertise or like you're, you're the person who does this thing in this way. And that's why we want to keep paying you to do it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you work for a large organization, very often that is in fact what they want of you. Yeah. For some people, maybe you're good with that. Maybe that's the thing that just happens to intersect with, you know, like the sweet spot that, you know, gives you a sense of purpose and expression and engagement. But, you know, or maybe it, it does for a window of time. But then like most human beings, like we don't stay static. So when you start to evolve away from that thing that, you know, other people want you to continue to do and pay you to keep doing, you know, very often I have a feeling that for a lot of people, we start being pretty good there. Yeah. But we grow as human beings over time. And then 10 years later, mm. you know, like we realize we're not actually that person yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the, and so it's like, it's, it seeps in slowly. Yeah. Well, it's funny. One of the, one of the things I have to tell people early on is this, hey, this, listen, they, they're, they, they come to me and they say, okay, here's a situation at my job. And I have to say, okay, let's back up. That's not your job. You're sitting in a chair, probably a chair someone else should be sitting in. You know, it's not who you are. It's just where you are right now. So let's, let's talk about that. You know, they thought they're, they're like welded in, you know, (laughs) I'm like, well, that's, you know, it's just not true. Don't worry about that. And there are a million jobs out there. If you want a J-O-B, it's, you know, having a job is easy. You just show up and punch a clock. Um, But yeah, identifying with, and you know, and Jonathan even further is identifying with that job and that, that thing that HR told you, but identifying with the pain that comes along with that. And saying, you know, this is who I am. This is what I carry, you know. And and for for me, because I'm talking about physical pain now, I call it, you know, what I've got, I call it my cruising pain. It's like I can sit here and have a nice conversation with you. I can get back and get in a cab. I can do, you know, I can I can move around. But I'm still in pain. So we, we you know, what happens is if if we start to identify with that pain and it becomes us, you know, where I, I get used to doing everything slowly and I get used to, so I'm not doing my rehab and I'm not stretching my nervous system. And I'm not, you know, not, do, not doing the work. Yeah. It becomes a downward spiral. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then we live a contorted life and a lot of people live a contorted life. You know, they, they've, 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 they've melded into a gray cubicle. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Am I bumming you out completely? <laughs> no, because I mean, I'm fascinated by these questions right? and I'm fascinated by people who have hit moments in their lives where like, oh, you know, like I'm three quarters down that spiral, but I didn't realize it. But something's for some reason, I just awakened to the fact. And there's actually something that I can do to reverse my way back yes. out of it. And maybe not blow everything up right now. Maybe it's small, little tiny yeah. baby steps. Maybe it's the 5 a.m. thing. But there is, I think the, the awakening is always, there is something that I can do. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who, uh, he's in Barcelona, but I, he, I would mentor him every we had a every two week situation and we'd have a, we'd have a Skype for, for, for an hour. And he had a screenplay in him. And I was like, dude, his name is Bruno. Like, Bruno, five, what are you doing at five o'clock in the morning? He's like, oh, okay. Literally, Jonathan, three months later, four months later, we get on the thing and he's smiling and he's holding up a stack of paper and he's like, this is it. I'm like, what do you, what, what is that? He says, I wrote a screenplay every morning at five o'clock. I got up and I did it. He's like, I could have never, he says, I've been sitting on this for three years. I'm like, okay, now what? Because <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> now, you know, that's right. the hard part. That's the hard part. He's realized he had a voice and he did the work. But now the hard part is now you got to show it. Now you got to get it out into the world. You're going to, you know, that's where the fear comes in. You know, all beginnings are hard because they're all based on, okay, what's going to happen? Yeah, like, it's the public side that like, yeah, really terrifies yeah. us. And, you know, we live in fear. A lot of us we, a lot of us are afraid to divulge who we are because we live in fear that someone may not like it. And I got to tell you, baby, somebody's not going to like it. That's just how it works. You can't be for everybody. You know, modern advertising wants to be for everybody. And that's why they don't say anything or can't say anything. Mm. Can't have an opinion. So when you go back to SVA as a teacher, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? 
Like, oh, what are you well, trying, like, what are you trying to accomplish by going back there? When I went back, like I said, I wanted to be the guy who, who lit fires. And um, it took me a, a number of years. I got, I got comfortable, and I was bringing in all these ideas that I like to play with. And all these ideas from one of my mentors, a, a Polish designer named um, Henrik Tomaszewski, who... Um, he worked in uh, in Warsaw in the, as a as a as a teacher in the fifties and sixties and seventies, and he was just he said I didn't know how to teach, so I was trying to teach people how to think. So I was using his assignments and I was using my own ideas. And after a couple of years, I realized, oh my god, I'm teaching as a third year instructor at the School of Visual Arts, and I'm not teaching graphic design because I'm not teaching form or color or what it looks like. I decided my students know I didn't care what it looked like. I cared what it said. And they knew that in a crit situation, if there was a piece on the wall and maybe it had some stones on it with some words, you know, words on the stone or something. And, and the, the, all the students know that who, who's ever that was. And like, say, we're going to see Anna. Okay. Anna, tell us about it. And she says, well, when I was a kid, they would, everybody knew right there. It was just like going to be gold. When I was a kid, my father took me to the beach Every summer, we never even went to the water. We just walked up and down the beach and we collected rocks. And here's why, and I was like, oh my God, you got me. You got me, that's awesome. You know, and, the, and what would happen is the students would have a revolt eventually and they'd say, but I know we're doing this thing and we're, we're trying to tell our own stories and we're trying to, you know, put our voice and our opinion into our work. But they said, but if it's so particular to me, how is it gonna have meaning to other people? And I'd say, you know, what matters to you matters to other people. In the particular lies the universal. You know, the, the more honest a filmmaker can be in divulging the truth about the story, the, you know, the more memorable the film is going to be, the more meaning it's going to have. And, and that's just how it works. You know, in any kind of storytelling, those are the good stories where we, can see, we, we see ourselves in it. It could be a story about a dog who dies and you'll be crying like a baby. You don't even have a dog, but you understand that idea of loss, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, I once heard, uh, I think it was Mary Carr who said uh, a great memoir, you know, it's not what happened to the writer, it's how what happened to the writer changed them. Mm -hmm. And it's like we can all transfer into a moment that changes us mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Sounds like you were, you went back to be the teacher you didn't have when you were at SBA. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally did. And um, I was super lucky that the chairman, uh, Richard Wilde, allowed me to. And SVA basically stayed off my back and let me do my thing and knew that my class was popular. And, um, you know, I think, you know, the, the flip side of this, Jonathan, is and I would tell my students, listen, I'm doing you a disservice. Because when you leave here, you're going to have debt. And the school would like you to pay off your debt or pay off your, fam your, your parents' debt. And I say, I don't care about that. Somehow debt gets paid off. Student loans get paid off somehow. Um, and how you, you know, I would also run a class on money and say, just remember this stuff. But I'd say um, most people, when they leave school, they get all hopped up on creativity and they take a job. And in order to pay off their debt, they choose slavery and not creativity. So why don't you, when you get out of here, why don't you take a chance and tell the world that you believe in yourself. Take, take a chance on getting paid for your creativity, getting paid for why you were here in the first place, instead of just taking a job. And then when the wind blows, ho, 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 you take another job. And the wind blows, ho, 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 you take another job. You know what I mean? Just like go through this, this, this meaningless process. You know, take a chance and, 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 and put your creativity to a test. What was the reaction when you said that? Oh, you know, they're, then they're like, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, this, rah, rah, yeah graduation day. Rah, you know, <laughs> I am Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny because it would, they would come to me and they'd say, hey, James, I got this awesome job at this, ups, this uh, internet startup and they're going to pay me, you know, $60,000 out the gate. And I said, that's awesome. And I said, and you're going to come see me in a year. And they would, they'd come see me in a year and they're like, I hate my job, but I bought an apartment. So now I'm stuck. <laughs> that, that is, we lock ourselves in. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really, really handcuffs, right? Yeah. Um, a couple years down the road, Moma calls you up. <laughs> More than a couple years, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, Moma Museum of Modern Art in New York City, this legendary institution says, hey, we, we want you here. Um, 
we want to put your pictures up in, in, in this space. It is like, um, what did that mean to you when they said that to you? Yeah. You know, the, it was funny cause they, they contacted me and they said, you know, we want, you know, 10 pieces for our permanent collection. And they said, oh, and we're redesigning the third floor and we're going to have, you know, we would like to put five of them up, uh, you know, as an exhibition. And I'm like, oh, a, a small James Victoria show at the Museum of Modern Art. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it, it was groovy, you know, and it's funny, but I, the, the way I tell it to people now, they're like, when they bring it up, uh, and I'm now, now I've got like, I've got like my get in, my get in free card and everything, my lifelong membership and all that kind of stuff, you know, well, all that kind of stuff. I know that's it. That's it. That's all I have. And, um, people are like, what, that must be amazing. I said, yeah, you know what? The other day I was going down into the subway and I didn't have any money on my card. So I just jumped the turnstile and these two cops come up to me and I, 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 I said, whoa, whoa, go guys, guys, it's, it's cool. I'm in the MoMA. And everybody's like, really? I'm like, no, <laughs> it just, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. It's another level of, um, bravery that, it, that, that, it, you know, that it gives me, um, but it, yeah, it doesn't buy me a sandwich or. Yeah. That's not why you do it. Yeah. It's not, it's, it, it, it's, it's nice. It's not why I do it. Um, and you, you know, that little side story where, um, on the, they, they called me and we having a conversation and I said, Oh, is there, you know, is there, is there a gala event that I may attend with my wife? And they said, uh, no, we don't do that. I said, uh, I said, do, is there a trophy? Do I get like a plaque that says James Victoria? They said, no, we don't do that. I said, well, is there a, um, is there a letter? Do I get an official letter with like a gold emblem of the moment? They said, um, no, we don't do that. And I said, well, could you do it for my mom? Cause she'd really appreciate that. And <laughs> I shit you not 10 days later in the mail, <laughs> dear James Victoria's mom, a letter. It was so great. Right, that's like better than so everything great. else. So forget better than everything. Like any accolades, forget I'm in the moment. It's like that letter is everything. Yeah, and then yeah. that bring, you know, and that, th then I immediately sat down and, and made a new, you know, a, a new thing to talk about, which is, you know, ask for more, yeah. ask for what you want. You know, if you want a pony, ask for a unicorn. You know, ask for what you want. It's, uh, it, it works. Yeah. I, I mean, so much of this conversation, I feel like, is, is about being uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, you know, it's funny because in the back of my mind, I've got, again, the little voices in the back of my mind. I'm sitting here talking. I'm sitting here today talking to Jonathan Fields on uh, The Good Life Project. And, um, yeah, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about you're asking me these questions and bringing me back to these places. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah, that was, mm. that was uncomfortable, but it was where I needed to be. Yeah. Where I needed to be. Yeah. But, but like you put yourself in this position. Sure. Yeah. You know, like you constantly, Consciously. it's almost like when you didn't feel it, you did what you needed to do to put yourself back in that space. Yeah. And that's where the magic happens. Yeah. But, and that's where the fear happens and that's where it all happens. But and it, you know, and it's also, it's also a, a level of commitment. You're telling the universe yeah. that you, that you're going to do this. Right. I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Again, how much do you want it? Right. How much do you want it? It's always, it's always a test. So books, um, you've written a few in your new one, Effect Perfection. <laughs> Worst title in the world, by the way. Can't say it. Can't spell it. You know, I tell people, they say, oh, you good? What, what's your title of your book? I'm like, Effect Perfection. They're like, what? Fit? fit right. what, what? 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 What is it? I'm like, uh, um, Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, that's what I do, man. I just, I just put myself in this situation and say, you know what? It's going to be fine. Don't yeah. worry about it. So what's interesting about this book to me also is for, for lack, for lack of a better category, this is personal growth. Mm -hmm. Like this is a book about how you live your life, about how you look at the world, about how you take action, about how you move through all these things that we're talking about. It's not a book about design, no. but it is a book about design, but it's yes. really a book about, you know, this is, this is, I mean, it sounds like this is your version of, you know, like here, go live this way. At least this is what's worked for me. Why did you feel it's important to yeah, put it's, this it's, book out it's, now? It's my, uh, yeah. think and grow rich with pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. I got to write Chronicle right now. Think and grow rich with pictures. That's how we sell it. The a, a sticker, right. a sticker on the book, the think and grow rich with pictures. Yeah. I mean, why this book and why now? Um, why now is because it's the book I need. No. It's like, so, you know, you talk about being uncomfortable and, you know, I'm, I put myself in these situations, but I need constant reminders. I don't, I'm not the kind of guy who wakes up out of bed cheery and, you know, you know, I need 
it, it takes work and it takes an effort. And um, until I met uh, Laura, my wife, I thought I was um, low maintenance and I realized I'm high maintenance, <laughs> high reward, baby, high reward. Um, it, it takes a lot. And, uh, when I was at SVA and I was going through all these, you know, students would come in and they'd be, they would be like, oh, I'm so angry. Somebody, you know, bumped me on the train and I'd say, okay, listen, you have a choice of how you react to that. And out of all the choices, you chose that one. You chose to like ruin your own day because so like all these lessons, um, were things that I started using when I would speak or when I would, you know, teach workshops and stuff. And I was like, you know what, um, these are been these have been great tools for me. I am having and have had a great, you know, creative life, um, and I need to, to share them. You know, my 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 career calling right now is is less of a commercial designer, but I want to be of service to others. I um, recently I I said something um, out loud that I didn't know I said out loud, which was kind of awesome, and I said I want to be. Moses for creative people. <laughs> I want to set them free. Just, I just got the, this image of you, like in like robes with little tablets square with like badass drawings and yeah, yeah, you know, like chiseled out. Um, you know, being creative is not easy. Leading a creative life is not easy. And I would like to be of service. I would like to help people understand their creativity, understand the power of their voice, understand that their life is basically that arc of um, the journey of the hero, the Joseph Campbell thing. Because so the book goes from, you know, finding your voice all the way through to having a, a purpose, um, which is the best thing. You know, when you have a purpose, then you can get out of bed in the morning and, you know, get mm -hmm. shit done at five o'clock or 4.30, you know. So I've got, I've got, side note, I've gotten so good that it's 4.30 now. By the way, mm. just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, up the ante for anybody, but just, uh, you know, if you want to keep up. So is being that Moses your purpose these days? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I enjoy it. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, when I was at SVA, when I was teaching there, um, the students would always say, why is it that you say the opposite of all the other instructors? And I didn't really have a good answer. And I don't know if I still have a good answer, but, um, but I would say, listen, there's a spectrum. You know, I'm over here and they're way over here. You're going to find your way. You're, you're somewhere in there. You might be closer to that. You might be closer to this. But, you, you know, let's just learn from everybody. Yeah. Find what resonates with you. Yeah. 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 Uh, you, know, and, you know, and even, you know, always, always learn from everybody and learn from every situation. Just always be a student. Hmm. Yeah. And get behind that. Feels like a good place for us to come full circle. So um, if I offer out the phrase to live a good life, what comes up? To live a good life is to relax into relax and accept who you are and 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 relax and accept your your creativity because it's put there for a purpose. And it 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 is a it is, if you can learn to listen to it, it's a great it's a great guide. It will serve you well. Thank you. You bet, man. This is a blast. Hey, before you leave, if you love this episode, Safe Bet, you will also love the conversation that we had with Seth Godin about the importance of honoring your inner voice and developing a practice of personal innovation. You'll find a link to Seth's episode in the show notes. Even if you don't listen now, be sure to click and download so it's ready to play when you're on the go. And of course, if you haven't already done so, be sure to follow Good Life Project in your favorite listening app. And... If you appreciate the work we've been doing here at Good Life Project, please also go check out my new book, Sparked. I am so excited that this is coming out into the world at a moment where I feel like we need it more than ever. It'll reveal some really incredibly eye-opening things to you about your very favorite subject, you, and then show you how to tap these insights to reimagine and reinvent work as a source of meaning and purpose and joy. You'll find a link in the show notes, or you can also find it at your favorite bookseller now. Thanks so much. See you next time.